Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We are joined by Rhino in studio. Now, don't forget, summer is coming fast, so go ahead and make those plans for a family vacation. You can do that over at visitmississippi.org. And one thing most Mississippians do every single day in some way is drink tea. Whether it's sweet or it's unsweet is up for debate, but that's not what we're talking about today here on Good Things, although I may ask our tea farmers which way they like it best. But we have joining with us Thomas and Hillary. They are tea farmers in Laurel, Mississippi. They started the Long Leaf uh, Tea Company, and it started by asking themselves a question, why aren't we growing tea here in Mississippi if we're drinking it every day? So we're going to get the story behind that. So welcome, guys. Hi, Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Thank you. It's good to have you um, on Good Things. I've sort of been following your tea story um, a little bit, and it's something I drink every day, although not hot. I do prefer mine cold, but that's that's something we can dive into later. I'm curious, though, how did you two find yourselves in the business of farming tea? Yeah, that's a fun question. Um, it it probably goes back about 10 years Um we were, I was leading some projects uh, for an engineering firm in China and uh, based out of Shanghai. And Hillary and I were over there spending time, and we started falling in love with really good tea. Um, and we were asked the question when we were over there, Rebecca, like, where do you all grow your tea? Like, where is your tea region in the U.S.? And we were like, we, we have no idea. We don't think we grow any. And so we did a little research and found out that 99.99999% of all the tea consumed in the U.S. is imported. Um, so we're just not growing our own tea, but we drink so much. I think we're like the fifth largest consumer of tea in the world. Um, and so Hillary and I kind of sat on that and thought, you know, what in the world? Why don't we give this a shot? Think we can pull this off? So that's kind of where it started. I mean, anything you would add? Well, I no. I would love to know, like, how with your international travels and being over in China, and I know in Japan, tea's a completely different, like, it's their coffee, I think, versus maybe the way that we use tea, especially here in the South. But what else is sort of different with tea internationally? Because I know it feels like here in the United States, we're lagging behind in our tea snobbiness. And I know it's catching on fire, and I mean that in the you know in the best way possible. <laughs> we, we're there with wine. I think we're getting there with craft beer. We're some, semi there with coffee, but we're definitely lagging behind with tea. But overseas, they take their tea seriously, right? Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they, all of the high-quality tea that's produced um, in China, in India, in Sri Lanka, um, all really stays in those countries, and we get kind of the leftover, what, what they call the fannings or the dust. Um, and it's kind, of, it's kind of what we're used to. We've gotten used to the bagged, um, lower-quality tea, but there's so much more to it. And you, and you mentioned coffee and wine and beer. The same way that we've gone from you know a couple beers that were popular when we were all growing up to all the different microbreweries, there's the equivalent um, opportunity of, of you know, different amazing teas out there, we, they're just hard to find in the U.S. And so we're starting to import some, but the cool thing is we're starting to grow some and produce some here as well. Which is something I think a lot of people are interested in, knowing where everything on their table comes from, getting down to even their beverages. And it's a little bit harder to get your coffee locally here in the U.S., especially here in Mississippi. You can get it roasted locally, but maybe not grown. But tea, it seems like we have a good soil or a good, um, I guess, setup for foundation for growing tea. So when did you make the con- or when did you have the conversation after your trip and say, you know what? Why aren't we growing tea? Why not do? tea here in Mississippi. How did that transpire into planting your first plants? Yeah, so we did 
research for really about seven or eight years. Um, and what was interesting, and we were living in Shanghai, like I mentioned, and then Nashville, and then Houston, Texas. Um, and at each stop, we were talking about this kind of, it was a slow burn project in our back pocket. Um, but the more research we did, we learned that, wow, Mississippi, you know, our home where we're from, is really one of the best places in the world to do it. It's at the same latitude as all the other famous tea growing places. It has the great acidic soil. The soil drains well. Um, we had the exact amount of rainfall, great sun. So everything was lined up um, that was perfect. And um, Hillary, I mean, your family land goes back, what, five or six generations? Mm-hmm. It's about six generations. And so finally, when we kind of came to the point where we could return home to Laurel, um, moving from Houston, we really had that opportunity where we had land available, too, to take the project to the next level. So with your family land, um, Hillary, you said five generations, what was traditionally farmed there, or was it just family land that has just been passed down for a homestead? It is a pine tree farm. Oh, interesting. So how many acres did you dedicate to your first batch, or I guess to tea? Yeah, well, it's probably, from an acreage standpoint, it's probably we started with a quarter acre, just almost like a test plot. <laughs> we we, you know, before we jumped in um, head first, we wanted to see, can we actually make this grow? Because um, we were just doing kind of the academic side of the research. But um, so we decided, let's grow a thousand plants and just see if we can make it work. Um, and honestly, Rebecca, they did awesome. They grew um, at rates that in, we had yields that honestly is, is pretty rare and no one expected. Um, and so we've expanded and we're at uh, just under 3,000 plants now. Um, so right around a half acre under T, um, we have plans to push that out to about an acre, acre and a half. And then we have another zone where we're, you know, eventually if this all works to push it out to about another 10 acres um, of tea in the, in the near future. Help us to sort of understand how a tea plant grows and then maybe like how many cups of tea are you getting out of one plant? Will it regenerate itself or do you have to, you know, reheart or, you know, um, put the seeds back in each year. Does that make sense? Kind of like with tomato plants is what I'm thinking of. If you you know you can get X number of tomatoes off of a plant each year if it's go, going well um, versus, you know, just growing one item that you would pull out of the ground and then that would be it. Am I making sense? Right. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, so if we look at it that way, you know, one tea plant um, will produce maybe about a pound of raw leaf a year, which gives you about a quarter pound of finished tea. So for one tea plant, and, and a quarter pound, I mean, that's, you know, there's 16 ounces. I mean, that it's not a whole lot for one plant. That's right. You really have to have, that's why you see the tea plantations in China or Sri Lanka, that they're massive. So you have to have a lot of tea plants. But if we, if we look at it in terms of an acre, um, that produces about um, 2,000 pounds of finished tea per year, about a ton of tea. Um, and that's really what we're trying to get to. And so what you really do is you can harvest. It's just the new growth. So you're not um, harvesting anything from the plant except for the new growth. And so uh, usually, actually right now, last week, we had the what's called breaking bud. And that's when the new growth comes out. Um, and we will harvest in about two or three weeks, our first harvest of the season. And then we can reharvest from those same plants about every two to four weeks um, as that new growth comes back. Um, and the plants will live, they could live 100 years. Um, and that's the great thing. It's one of those crops that you don't have to replant every year. They will grow and live for 100 years. Oh, that's cool. That takes like all of like, you know, many listening to good things. We're, we're already getting in our mindset for our garden, you know, as uh, Good Friday rolls around and Easter, you have to till it up, you have to plant it, then you have to, you know, go through the whole thing and tear it all down and do it all again. It's fascinating to think that if you've done well and you keep them healthy, that the plant, the first tea plants that you planted will stick with you as you sort of expand and grow your farm, or I'm sure that's at least the, the thought process behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Most definitely. We're hoping that, you know, down the road, it'll be our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids still getting 
to harvest from the same plant. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so now I'm 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 I'm, le- I'm leaving from tomatoes and whatever and going to more like pecans, where where you get like your. <laughs> but but completely different. You have to remember, I'm simple-minded and trying to figure out sort of how to best categorize it. I know pecan trees are much bigger probably than than your tea plants there uh, that are. When is the harvest season for that? You mentioned you're fixing to to take your first harvest or maybe have it in the next couple of weeks. Is it the summertime? It is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it starts in April and it starts in here a few weeks, and it'll run through October. Mm-hmm. So, so every weekend from now until the end of October, <laughs> we will be on the farm plucking tea. So it's it's going to be a fun summer. Yeah, and I think that's a part that people need to know too. Is this has to be hand plucked? There's no machinery that necessarily goes out there and does it for you guys, right? Not yet. I mean, everything is 100% hand plucked and handmade right now. Um, as the plants get larger, there's certain machinery that um, mimics. It has like kind of almost like the way you would harvest grapes. Um, they have like rubber, um, and so it mimics a human hand kind of plucking the tea. Um, there's other equipment that cuts the tea plant, but we're trying to avoid that because we want to keep our quality high. Keep your quality high, and we're going to keep this conversation going. More with Thomas and Hillary, the Longleaf Tea Company, coming up next. one of the most popular hobbies in America, with the average gardener spending five hours a week in the garden. In Mississippi, keeping a healthy, beautiful garden is practically an obsession. But if you have questions about gardening, there's no better person to answer them than the garden mama, Nellie Neal. So whether it's gardening basics or troubles for the more experienced gardeners out there, the garden mama has the answers for you. Saturday morning, starting at eight on Super Talk Mississippi and Super Talk TV. The Dean's List with Janice Dean. A sweet girl from Alabama who raised money to help pay for her own surgery makes today's Dean's List. Seven-year-old Liz Scott had to have several surgeries to help treat three rare brain malformations. She knew her family would have a hard time paying for it, so she decided to help raise money by making lemonade. The online fundraiser, Lemonade for Liza, helped pave the way for her upcoming surgeries at Boston Children's Hospital. Liza's mother, Elizabeth Scott, says her daughter has always tried to lift a bit of the burden around the house. Liza has spent part of her days selling lemonade for 25 cents a cup. The stand has raised anywhere from fifteen dollars to $20,000. Those funds are in addition to the more than $300,000 that have poured into the family's online fundraiser. In the meantime, we will keep following Liza's story and keep everyone up to date. Janice Dean, Fox News. Whether you're brand new to the DIY craze or a seasoned veteran, The Handyman Show has something for you. Buddy Slowick shares tips and tricks on everything from odd jobs to complete build-outs, from small home repairs to serious construction. So no matter if you're at the master carpenter level or not quite sure how to use a level, The Handyman Show answers your questions with a healthy dose of humor and some great music, too. Saturdays, 10 to noon on Super Talk Mississippi and on Super Talk TV. Fox on Tech. Walking through the front doors of Pleasantdale Middle School looks different these days. Every student, teacher, and staff member arriving in the morning walks past a thermal camera. It takes each person's temperature and sounds an alarm if they have a fever. Principal Griffin Sontag says it's one layer of protection that's allowed them to do in-person classes since last fall. It's fast, it allow, it's accurate, it allows our students and staff to come directly into the building without even slowing down. This technology, made by Dubach Electrical Group, is being used at schools and manufacturing plants across the country, anywhere that needs to take temperatures of a large group of people quickly. It's really just a camera and the students just walk in like they normally would, six feet apart. Sontag says the camera has caught fevers. The district of about a thousand students has had only 38 COVID cases since it returned to half days in August, and it plans to get back to full days soon. With Fox on Tech in Burr Ridge, Illinois, Grady Trimble, Fox News. 
From the Magnolia State to the world, you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi, Mississippi. at supertalk.fm. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. to remind you that there are some great things to do in Mississippi, plenty of unique places to visit, so go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. If you plan on visiting Laurel anytime soon, you might get a good cup of tea. I don't know. We're going to find out. We're continuing our conversation with Thomas and Hillary Steinwinder. They are the founders of Longleaf Tea Company, which is only one of three tea farmers in the state of Mississippi. Is that correct, Thomas? That is correct. Yeah, and we're kind of a tight-knit little family all sharing ideas and lessons learned and we're all good buddies but yeah there's only three of us right now hopefully more in the future well you have um, a lot of possibility obviously to grow rhino was just sharing with me during the break that i think the u.s didn't even produce would you say a ton of tea in the last maybe seven out of the ten years so the the possibilities are endless for you guys is i guess is what we're trying to say for you here on good things but okay so it's harvest time right now up until october what do you do once you harvest with it help us kind of understand the process of getting it from the plant to our cup sure um so let's just say that we're going to get started in the morning so hillary and i will head out there Ideally, if we can get our kids to join us, we may have to pay them a little bit. <laughs> we have a bribery. Yeah, we have a, a seven and an eight year old that we can get to come work with us on the weekend sometimes. Um, but we'll head out and we'll pluck for two to four hours, and we'll take that tea. And that tea, the next step is withering, and that's really where the tea. If you think about the term wilting, where you have a leaf that's firm. And, and then it sits out for a while, it'll start to kind of lose its firmness and, and, and kind of shrink a bit and lose water. So that's the withering step. Well, and Thomas, let me just break in for a minute. Yeah. One kind of misconception is that, um, you know, there's so many different types of tea. There's black tea, green tea, white tea, and a lot of people don't realize that it all comes from the same plant. And the whole difference starts is once you take it from the field. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah I never really knew that. how to produce it. Yep. That's a really good point. So, yeah, I'll qualify this. Yeah. We're going to talk about black tea, Rebecca, because <laughs> each one of those that Hillary listed has a different processing steps. But um, so for black tea, um, we would take it, we would wither it, and it could be anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20 hours of withering on big bamboo trays under a controlled environment. Um, then we would take it and we would roll it. Um, and we could either hand roll it or we have a machine that kind of helps us a little bit on the rolling, but it's, um, it, it rolls it and it breaks up the leaf and releases a lot of the flavor compounds in the leaf. Um, and that could take uh, probably two to three hours. And then after that, we would go to the oxidation stuff, and that's where the leaf um, starts to turn brown for black tea. Um, it's the same process when you cut an apple and you let the apple sit on the counter, it'll start to brown a bit. It's the exact same chemical reaction that happens in tea. So we let the tea sit in a, like a bread-proofing oven. It's the equivalent. Um, and it will start to go black, and then we'll dry it. Um, and those are the key steps. And so overall, it takes about 24 to 30 hours to process a batch of tea. And then how long will that last in terms of freshness for the consumer to get the best cup of tea possible out of it? Yeah, that, that's a good question, too. So with black tea, it will has a much longer shelf life. Um, but with all the teas, right after we finish drying, we'll let it, what they call, settle for about two weeks. Because um, if you taste that tea right after you finish drying it, it, it does it, the flavor is a little bit different, and it will change over time for about two weeks. So we'll let it settle, um, and then it's ready to go to market or go to consumers. Um, black tea, you know, in China, some of their best black teas, they won't even sell it until it's sat for 18 months, so over a year. Um, and so black tea can, you know, it can be anywhere from two weeks out to a year or two out and still have a really good flavor. Uh, green tea, you really want to try to get it in the same season that it was harvested. Um, I, I wouldn't go much longer than, you know, eight to 12 months on a green tea. Um, and then white tea and yellow teas and other teas are all a little bit different. 
So where does like the craft part come in? Because I know it feels like if you have like your your plant that can kind of be like a blank canvas turning into the black or the green or the yellow teas, kind of like with, you know, beer, you, you kind of have your hops. Where does like the craft come in where if we have a cup of long leaf tea companies uh, tea versus maybe someone else's that we we can sort of distinguish the different flavors or the different spices or does that make sense too? Like where where does it mm-hmm. get where you're like in the kitchen with your with your tea? Yeah, that, that's a great question because there's so many levers and dials that you can turn on this process. Um, the first thing though, when it comes to the flavor, it it it's tied so much to the terroir, so so much to the soil and the climate of that area. So we have our good buddies um, Jason and Timmy in Brookhaven, and Jeff and Don down in Poplarville. Those are the three of us. We can all produce our tea the exact same way, but they would taste different because of the soil and the climate conditions in our specific areas. Oh, so that's, that's the really first cool. drop. Yeah, it is really interesting because we're so close. You know, we're only a couple hours away from each other, but our teas are different. I um, guess that's why going they, back to tomatoes, tomatoes taste different depending on where you grow them too, even if you grow the same variety. Exactly. Sure. I mean, and think about like water. I mean, Polk County, Smith County watermelons, you right. know, there's a lot of products that are tied to that soil and that climate. Um, so, you know, after we do that, the craft really comes in on the things like when to pick do, or when to pluck. Do we pluck in the morning or do we pluck in the afternoon? Because that can impact the flavor. Um, how long we wither? How hard do we roll? Um, do we let it oxidize for two hours or four hours? And all of that, you start to get kind of dialed in on the smell of it, the feel of it, and you, and you just kind of play with those. I mean, we... I mean, Hillary, how many batches do we make last year? In 20-something, 30-something? At least. And honestly, Rebecca, out of the 30-something batches we made when we were trialing these different recipes, I would say 25 of 30 were not good. (laughs) (laughs) So there's so much trial and error whenever you're trying to figure out that craft part. Well, I'm curious, so like, what is considered a bad cup of tea? Because, I mean, really, I think it's it would be up to maybe the tea drinker. You guys would definitely have a higher palate for better tea than some of us here listening to you guys on Good Things because we're just used to our Louisianas or our Liptons and, you know, oh, God, that green tea that's in the plastic bottle that's not really green tea. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know enough to know that that's not real. Um, you know, so so what what does make, like, a really good cup of tea? or flavor what are you looking for yeah you know to be honest with you you're kind of right it's really in the eye of the beholder um, i mean there's a few things that are you would call it like defections in the teeth it's really sour or if it just kind of has an offensive like odor or aroma or flavor um but in general like there's such a wide range of flavors and it really depends on the the drinker the taster mm-hmm. and there's really not a wrong way there's I mean, there's there's preferences that people have, but there's really not a wrong way to drink it or a wrong way to enjoy it. When y'all are taste we're testing your product, do I? Like Go ahead. Hillary, Hillary, I said we're certainly not elitist in any way. I mean, Hillary loves her iced tea. Um, I, I love my iced tea. We'll, we'll drink everything. It's okay to be a tea snob. I mean, you're tea farmers, by, <laughs> by <laughs> you know, it's perfectly fine. Um, no, and I, I, I mean that with the most respect. I think it's really cool, and it's such an area of growth we can all grow in, especially if we, we are interested in tea, just like if we're interested in coffee or our craft beers, trying something new, breaking out of our mold um, of just our standard sort of sweet tea, at least here in the South. I mean, we sweeten it so much, we really don't even get to taste it good. So when you are taste testing your teas that come off the that you've plucked, do you do you drink it hot? Do you do you do it both ways, hot and cold? Like, what's your sort of test route look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hot. Um, we have uh, small saucers and kind of a taste a tasting set, and we we'll usually set out four, um, and we'll try different batches next to each other, or maybe even other people's tea. Um, next to our tea and just start to figure out like what is unique, what is kind of coming out of our tea that's unique or special. Um, and then we'll try to, uh, ex- you know, uplift that or accentuate that difference. Um, if it's a good one, if it's a bad one, we'll, we'll start over. So <laughs> we, anything to that? But then we do follow up and make an ice with each tea as well. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting how the flavor changes between when it's prepared hot and then iced as well. But we do usually end up trying both styles with each um, production. Yeah, that's true. 
Do you think you have an idea of maybe what your signature tea will be, or at least in the beginning? I know you you have big plans for the Longleaf Tea Company there out of Laurel for, I'm sure, are lots of offerings. Um, but right now, are you trying to like really hone in on just the black tea, or are you kind of still just dancing with all of them? The answer's a little bit of both. Um, yes, we're definitely trying to produce a signature black tea. It is the most consumed tea in the U.S., especially in the South. Um, you know, 85% of all the tea consumed in the U.S. is iced. It's just the way we roll. It's the way we do it. Um, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. So whatever we produce, we have to make sure that it is an excellent cup of iced tea. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so we're, we're landing on, towards the end of last season, we landed on a recipe for a black tea that had a lot of um, kind of toasted notes, um, maybe some sweet potato notes, a little vanilla, um, but very little bitterness. I mean, you can make this stuff so strong, and you wouldn't have that kind of twingy bitterness that you would have in a bagged um, tea. Um, and so we're really happy with that, and that's, that's going to be a big focus is trying to um, really nail that one. Um, for this coming season. Well, our focus for the next segment is going to be getting you guys to teach us how to make a good cup of hot tea. That's coming up next here on Good Things. A new voice is here on Super Talk Mississippi. Dan Bongino. He's a former Secret Service agent, police officer, best-selling author, and host of the fastest-growing conservative talk show in America, The Dan Bongino Show. Each weeknight, starting at 11, Dan Bongino tackles the hottest political issues, debunking the rhetoric, and giving you the hard-hitting truth. The Dan Bongino Show. Weeknights at 11. The Dan Bongino Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Securing America. The Veterans Affairs Department is trying to keep up with demand for coronavirus vaccines at its health facilities. VA Secretary Dennis McDonough says the department is rolling out shots as quickly as possible as he expressed concerns about supply. This is going to be a problem going forward, so we're working very closely with our VSOs, very closely with Congress, and then very closely to tell the story of of the more than 1.4 million vets who have gotten vaccinated to date. McDonough says doses are going into arms within two to three days of receipt. We're surprised that hesitancy is less than we feared. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to confront it. But right now, uh, we're seeing uh, significant demand. The VA is getting regular shipments of vaccines, and McDonough expressed hope extra doses will be sent to the department. Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. Wake up with Gallo. Go to bed with Bongino. It's kind of like the radio version of a panino. Yeah, that's right, a panino. A radio panino with all sorts of good and gooey Mississippi ingredients right in the middle. Deliciously addictive. Paul Gallo, mornings at 6. And Dan Bongino, late nights at 11. The perfect way to start and end your day on Super Talk Mississippi. Why you should consider changing your withholding. I'm Ginny Cosola with your Fox Business Network tax tip coming up next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Whether you take the standard deduction or itemize, if you wind up with a big tax bill this year or a big refund, you may want to adjust the taxes that are deducted from your paycheck, the withholding. CPA Stephen Zellin, managing partner at Zellin & Associates, says to do that, complete a Form W-4. You're seeing less in your take-home pay, so that means that you have more taxes taken out. The IRS recommends you complete a new Form W-4 each year and whenever your personal or or financial situation changes. Ginny Coselda, Fox News. 
I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Storms are likely to develop tonight and into tomorrow as a warm front lifts northward. Some do have the potential to become severe, especially across North Mississippi tomorrow afternoon. A bill that would remove the state income tax is looking less and less likely, though it's something former Trump advisor and economist Stephen Moore strongly endorses. This would be fantastic for Mississippi. It's like, you know what you're doing? You're taking a neon sign on the highways and you're saying Mississippi is open for business. The Senate passed a resolution aimed at studying the issue with a focus on next year's session. 268 new cases of COVID are being reported. With the confirmation of 11 additional deaths, 6,998 Mississippians have passed away from the virus. After a few days of slight increases, overall hospitalizations did drop in the latest data from the Department of Health. Twilight Concerts at Renaissance are back live Saturday, April 24th, starring the Almond Betts Band. Taz Niederauer, Cedric Burnside, The Vamps, and more. It's a full day of music presented by Wicked Weed Brewery for this socially distanced concert. Carefully. Tickets are on sale now at Ardenland.net. Twilight concerts at Renaissance are here. From Nukes Eatery, Renaissance at Colony Park, and First Commercial Bank. Tickets are on sale now. Produced by Ratchet Entertainment Group and Ardenland. In a world full of noise. Devastating the latest news. Finding information that matters to you can be overwhelming. That's why Super Talk is here. Here we go. To filter through the noise, to cut through the clutter, to deliver real information and discuss how it affects you. You'll know what's important and why it matters when you listen to Super Talk Mississippi. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Things wants to remind you there's an adventure in Mississippi awaiting you this year. So head on over to visitmississippi.org to find some more. We're learning more about what it takes to farm tea in Mississippi. We have with us Thomas and Hillary from Laurel. They are the founders of Longleaf Tea Company. And as we've been talking, Thomas, we've had some texts and some people on Facebook come in and start sharing the way they like tea. And it's either going to be sun tea, obviously iced tea or sweet tea. But very rarely are you going to find someone in Mississippi race their hand and be like hot tea because it's just <laughs> not how we do things but we're trying to change that or at least open your mind to think of it differently so if we get some of your long leaf uh, tea which i want to talk about how we can get that into our hands or when that's coming how do we make a good cup of hot tea yeah okay so uh, one thing to know is that it's not bagged it's loose leaf tea the way that it's consumed in the majority of the countries around the world that are big tea drinkers um, and so it'll be the whole leaf. It won't be broken. It won't be the fine dust. It won't be stem in there. Uh, it'll be the whole leaf of the tea. And what we do is we start with getting, it, it really ends up being about a heaping tablespoon. Or a hefty pinch. A hefty pinch. That's a good way <laughs> to put it. Yeah. A three-finger hefty pinch, uh, you know, and we golf ball size. How about that? And we put that into a teacup um, and I'm going to geek out for a second, Rebecca. You go right oh, ahead. Okay. You snob all yeah, over the Hillary, place. <laughs> Hillary's going to kick me and um, it, whenever I need to stop. But it's really all about temperature and time when it comes to the different types of tea. What's the temperature that you put in, the water that you put in, and how long do you let it steep? And so for black tea, um, it that temperature is about 200 degrees. So if you boil some water in your kettle, 
and then you take it off the burner and you let it sit for a minute or two, it'll drop down to right around 200 degrees. And so that's really the ideal water for black tea. Um, and so you pour that in your cup and you'd let it steep for about five minutes. Black tea likes a good five minutes steep. Um, all right. So after five minutes, now we have to separate the liquid from the tea leaves. Um, and if you don't have a strainer, um, then the easiest thing to do is just to have a second cup and you just pour off the liquid um, into that second cup and leave the tea leaves behind. And that should be an awesome cup of hot black tea. That sounds like a great way to start your day. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. And if you're like me, sometimes you add just a little bit of honey after that, too. There you go. I was going to ask, but then I thought, man, that's like asking for ketchup for a good steak. Sometimes it may be a little offensive <laughs> to those that cook the steak. So so I'm glad to see that you kind of personalize it with a little bit of honey or, or making it your, your way. So if we're listening to good things, we're getting really excited about having maybe this opportunity for getting your tea into our homes. When does that even look like a possibility? Yeah, <laughs> Like so many things um, in the agricultural world, it really depends on Mother Nature. So I would love to give you a date, but it all depends on how fast this new growth comes up. Last year, it was about the second to third week of April when we could harvest. It's looking to be about the same, um, but it could be longer. So let's say uh, late April is our first harvest. Um, You know, we need to have that two-week period that I mentioned uh, for settling and to get everything ready for sales. So it would probably be um, late May, I would say, is mm-hmm. probably about the time when things would be ready to get and good to go. And where would we find it? On your website? Are you going to be in local stores around Mississippi? How are you getting the tea out? Hopefully a little bit of both. It will definitely be available on our website, which is longleaftea.co. But then we also plan to have it in a few local retailers around Laurel. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really exciting. And I know I don't know where you find time for all this. We heard you talk about plucking in the morning for a couple of hours, getting your family involved. Thomas, you still have a day job, <laughs> or at least from we, what we I read. <laughs> yeah, we both do. And um, I think I don't we don't sleep as much as we used to, to be honest with you. And um, we uh, are <laughs> we're warriors on the weekend. It's kind of the way we pull it off. We are. But, you know, we're also both very blessed to have. Um, families that are very involved and love to get out there and work with us. And it's usually the case most weekends. You find us all out there, our parents, um, our brothers, our sisters, nieces and nephews, kind of making it a family affair. Thomas, you seem like a very uh, visionary, and I'm sure Hillary as well, for where the Longleaf uh, Tea Company could be in five to ten years. Are you just busting with excitement for, like, the tea possibilities here in Mississippi with our soil and our atmosphere? I mean, is it really an open game for anyone who's, you know, looking to jump in it? Yeah, I mean, you read me well. I mean, we both get so fired up about this topic because – it's just getting started. And, you know, as Rhino mentioned earlier and that you said that we produce so little. I mean, we consume 170 million pounds of tea in the U.S. a year, and we produce a few thousand pounds. You know? I mean, there's, there's so much opportunity. And of all the places in the U.S., the one of the most, if not the most, ideal spot to grow and produce tea is in South Mississippi. Um, and so there's kind of a joke among the three growers in Mississippi right now is that really – South Mississippi could and should be the Sonoma for good tea in, in the U.S. Like, it will be the tea zone, um, and we're pretty pumped about that. Well, that's pretty exciting. Okay, so get us pumped if maybe we've never tried hot tea or specialty tea. I mean, there's many of us that's listening to good things, and we are just stuck. I won't say a rut, but we're just, you know, a creature of habit with our same old, you know, uh, uh, iced tea, same coffee, same beer, whatever it may be, and we just don't, you know, waver very much. Give us your best spiel on at least trying a good cup of hot or cold tea that's been locally grown. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> there's so many ways I could address this, Rebecca. I would say that, for one thing, I think all of us that talk or that, um, and then that are listening today appreciate quality. You know, what, whatever it is that we're consuming and putting in our bodies, that we appreciate something that's quality. Um, and honestly, you can't really beat the quality of something whenever you could drive down the road and go look at it being produced and handmade. Um, and that is the first thing I would say is that, you know, the tea bags that you're getting, uh, 
a lot of it's the really fine particles, the leftovers that are swept off the floor <laughs> and other, you know, so, so just for a moment, let's start with the quality aspect. Like try something that is um, made locally, handmade, and that we work really, really hard uh, to produce and keep a high quality. Um, and then after that, I would say just explore the different flavors. I mean, tea, depending on where it's made, how it's made, it has so many different flavors and profiles, just like every other beverage. Um, and so explore it. It's so much fun. And I think, too, just thinking outside the box when you do graduation gifts, Mother's Day, Father's Day, stocking stuffers, you know, we try real hard here on Good Things just to remind you that you can get and try these different things as gifts or just something unique. It's not like we're, we're ever asking you to give up what you use every day, even from your coffees to your beers to your teas. But when anytime you can support local, even if it's just for, you know, a nice happy or a gift or, you know, a good time, it's always a good thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. I mean, I would look at it this way. On average, <laughs> every American in our country um, consumes 100 cups of tea a year. That's, that's the average. Some people a lot more, some people a lot less. So I think all we're asking is, hey, maybe one of those 100, try us out. You know, maybe two of those 100, give us a shot. That's really what we're going for I like here. That. Yeah. <laughs> No, I like that, and I think that takes the pressure off, right, that we don't have to completely ditch what's been going in our, you know, going for our family forever because we're just stuck in our traditions. But you never know. You may love it so much that becomes your new family tradition, and you'd be giving right back to a Mississippi family who are who's rooted here and farming here and hopes that, man, you'll have – You'll have tree plants for hundreds of years. That's that's really exciting. That's right. to, really exciting to me. Which Rhino said, I could have totally chosen a blueberry bush over a pecan tree and been a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, <he's> right. Yeah. <laughs> to the way that it was. But hey, we've learned so much. So we need to know where can we go online to stay connected with you guys? Website, social media. Give us all the deets. Yes, definitely. So our website is longleaftea.co. And it'll have a full refresh in a couple of months with all of our products that are available. And then also follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Longleaf Tea Co. Well, after oh, y'all, yeah, after y'all get tea. through the this harvest season, and maybe you get a little bit of break in October, love to have you back in the Good Things Studio, and maybe you can make us a cup of tea. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Rebecca. All Thanks, right, Rebecca. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Wow. To think that we we drink that much tea here in the United States every day or every year, and we don't produce it right here in our own soil, and to think that Mississippi could potentially become a mecca for tea farmers, to me, is very exciting. I mean, kudos to them for branching out and trying something new and bridging a gap, really. Yeah. Which I know you're a tea snob, too. A bit. Nah, <laughs> I saw you over there nodding your head and everything else. There's so much for us to be able to learn and taste when it comes to tea, but we've got more good things for you coming up next. Mississippi news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. At supertalk.fm, you get news from all over the state. From stories to keep you safe, to legislation that could affect your bank account, to weather reports to help you better plan your weekend. Plus, find in-depth interviews with the newsmakers in the Supertalk podcast archives. And everything Mississippi sports. Your Mississippi news. All the time, on air and online at supertalk.fm.fm. Your stimulus payment and your taxes. I'm Ginny Cosilda with your Fox Business Network tax tip 
coming up next. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Just click listen and hear Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, Guy Benson. Then swipe right and hear the latest news on your time. Plus, podcasts from Trey Gowdy and Craig Gutfeld. Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Download now. Were you eligible for a stimulus payment last year but didn't receive it or didn't receive all of it? You can file for it when you do your taxes. CPA Stephen Zellin, managing partner at Zellin & Associates, says it'll be credited to you and it is not taxed. If you didn't receive your recovery rebate credit, as they're calling it, then you can receive an additional credit on your tax return. There's also a worksheet with questions to help you. This year, tax forms can be used by people who aren't normally required to file, but are eligible for the credit. Ginny Cosola, Fox News. Hi, I'm Billy Kinder, host of Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Here, the show Saturdays at 1, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Turkeys, whitetail, Grenada Lake crappie, or Gulfport redfish. We enjoy it all, especially when you're in camp with us on Super Talk Mississippi. Keeping you up to date with news, weather, and politics that affect you and your family. Up to the minute reports on air and always online at supertalk.fm. Your statewide news network, Super Talk Mississippi News, at supertalk.fm. This is the closing agri market report. At the closing, their cotton exchange, May cotton was up 194 to 8038. July cotton was up 189 to 8141. To close, the Chicago Board of Trade, May soybeans were down 13 and three quarters to 14 and a half per bushel. July soybeans were down 13 and a quarter to 1391 and a quarter per bushel. May corn was up six cents to 552 and a half per bushel. July corn was up three and a quarter to 535 and three quarter per bushel. At the Mercantile, June live cattle was up 70 to 121.77. August live cattle was up 50 to 120.87. May feeders up 75 to 149.87. August feeders up 32 to 158.45. And at this hour, the Dow Jones is up 109 points, 32,729. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is a Super Talk Mississippi Agri News Network. When it comes to weed control, I'm looking for results. That's why I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. It controls more weeds than any other cotton system. And with up to 14 days of soil activity on certain small-seeded broadleaf weeds, my fields are set up for long-lasting protection from Palmer pigweed, mare's tail, and other tough-to-control weeds. With the triple tolerance of Bullguard 3 Extend Flex Cotton to Dicamba, Glyphosate, and Glufosinate, I'm getting three modes of action to help keep my fields clean. When you put it all together, I'm getting flexibility, advanced weed control, and proven performance. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System is the number one choice for so many of us. For me, the choice is easy. I choose results. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. Claims are based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of October 2020. Pair with a strong weed management program. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. From the birthplace of America's music, this is Super Talk Mississippi. Streaming live 24-7 at supertalk.fm. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. I feel like I should be running upstairs. Maybe I would drink a nice ice cold tea at the top. Hey, don't delay on planning your Mississippi getaway. You can do that over at visitmississippi.org. I did hear our fellow broadcaster, Paul Gallo, sharing an article that was debunking performance beer. And I wanted to, I was in my car, and I wanted to be like, that's kind of not lies. <laughs> don't, don't, don't hate on us mere mortals who love a good workout and then want a refreshing performance beer afterwards. Yes, it is sleazy marketing, but it's fine for those who are not trying to be competitive We're athletes. We're call out marketing. I mean, <laughs> why are pink razors three times the price of blue razors when they have the same number oh, of I could get, I, We could spend a whole show on sleazy marketing, but I got tickled <laughs> because, 
and I mean, he's absolutely, he, well, it was the article he was sharing is absolutely correct. There was a dietitian in it that was debunking this idea that any form of alcohol could be a performance enhancer rehydrating tool because it is a, um, it, it naturally will cause you to, to lose soda, you know, um, diuretic and all the things. But for all of us who, and that goes to even those that just enjoy good um, yard work, and you work up a good sweat, the one thing that you just feel like is the most refreshing thing after that is, and you're over the age of 21 and you're not driving in a car, <laughs> it's a good old refreshing ice-cold beer. But if you don't have that, then an ice-cold glass of tea is also very refreshing on, on any Mississippi day. Rhino, when did you become a tea snob? Where was your first introduction to not your standard Lipton, you know, or um, that kind of tea? I, I still wouldn't say I'm a snob. I'm you just are. fascinated okay. by tea. And I I was first exposed to tea in the sweet tea form at like the age of a month. Probably. <laughs> like it, it's just it's a staple in in the household. There's always a big pitcher of sweet tea ready to rock and roll. But I went on a trip with the youth group in seventh grade or somewhere and we stopped at a mall and went to a food court and they had this little kiosk set up with all these different teas that i'd never seen before in my life because remember this is long before the internet was in your pocket and all the world's information was at your fingertips and i'd never seen this stuff so i bought a thing of tea took it on the trip with me packed it took it back home with me made it was not impressed at all so i kind of left it it was like all right that was it smells good but that was kind of a waste of time and energy and then got to college and found that keeping a coffee maker clean is a lot harder when you make coffee in it versus just using it to make hot water and tea really that's all but that's a great story all it took that's all it took. Just so not wanting you, to clean a coffee maker. Did you? Were you? Did you buy the bags, or did you buy? I started buying the bags, and then I went to a local coffee shop in the area that does the loose leaf mm-hmm. tea, like they were talking about, and they've got the little. They have a contraption now where you can put the loose leaf tea it's in a it little and ball. the water. Well, you, yeah, you have little balls, little metal balls you can put it in, but they have a a contraption that's plastic and see through that you put the tea and the water and everything, and you steep it. And then you sit it on top of your cup, and there's a little valve that opens, and it just dumps the tea into ah, your cup. Oh, fancy schmancy. And they had one of those, and it was the new thing, and I wanted to try it, so I did that. And they had some ruby red tea mm-hmm. that looked really cool, tasted cool. And that that's the other thing I find fascinating about tea is it's just it's it's an almost primal way of taking in plants from your environment. It's just hot water, and a leaf of some sort. We should ask the next time we get Thomas and Hillary back on um, back on Good Things, because well, he seems like to be a history buff. I'll have to ask him maybe, like, who started tea? Like, how? I mean, because you go through the process of, of the wilted, you know, you have to pluck it, then you have to wilt it, then you have to roll it, then you have to steam you know, all the things. The way we understand... Who was the first one that did that? Yeah, the earliest recollections of tea that historians have found that I know of was, like, 3rd century A.D., as, as tea as we know it. But you got to think, that's that's writings by historians talking about a culture of tea drinking. It had to start earlier than that, and it really probably wasn't that difficult to think of, well, if this leaf is in this water, the water tastes different. You would think right. simpler man would be able to put that together. Okay, since you're our resident Google and all things historian, how <laughs> who was the southerner that said this needs to be sweetened especially since i mean sugar was such a uh, such a high commodity there for a while i mean it was like gold it, you wouldn't just put cups of sugar in tea like we do now way back when you wouldn't have been able to afford it that was probably and this is this is just conjecture i don't have any historical evidence to back it up but it was probably to tout affluence to be like i can make tea and i'm rich enough put sugar in my tea and then when affluent people start doing things less affluent people start mimicking so that they appear affluent well we still got it going on in the south all the sugar in our tea we learned so much today i hope you did too thanks for tuning in you got more coming up next with sports talk mississippi from three to six but rhino and i will be back on monday but until then i hope you all find time for the good things
Mississippi Media Production.